Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I am thrilled to introduce my special guest on this episode, Tisha Marina Bernard. Tisha is an international speaker and peace ambassador. She has worked with thousands of students, schools, and communities, facilitating bullying prevention trainings, restorative practices, and trauma-informed counseling circles. She is the founder of I Choose Peace, whose educational mission is to empower young leaders with the courage, compassion, and leadership skills to create peace within themselves and their peers. Tisha has her master's in counseling psychology and is in the process of completing her LMFT. She takes a holistic approach towards treating mental health through modalities, which include somatics, experiential facilitation, and dialectical behavioral therapy, with a philosophy based in indigenous healing practices and the transformative power of inclusive dialogue. Welcome, Tisha. I'm so excited that you're here in this episode today. Thank you, Sue. It's an honor to be here. Well, let's dive in because I'm, I'm really excited to share with our audience the power of your work and also talk about something that is so powerful in our society today, which is bullying, or as you like to call it something different, I'll allow you to go into that and talk about the bullying process that you see in this world. Absolutely. So yes, I would like to start with a very important difference. And the word bullying is used as an overranging term for a lot of things. And what is resulting from that is, one, it's not being taken as seriously at times. And two, it's not identifying what's really going on. So instead, I choose to use the word mistreatment because that allows us to break down the what is actually happening. It allows the students I work with and young people to really understand what behaviors and what actions are taking place and how that is participating in mistreatment versus bullying. Often the word bullying is also seen as a physical interaction. So when we think of physical fighting, that word usually comes along with it. But when we look at mistreatment, then we're able to identify very simple actions that may not be normally seen as um, something that's not kind, where in fact it actually is. That's such a beautiful representation of both words. And thank you for clarifying that. What do you find when you use out in the world the word mistreatment? What do you find the, um, the response that you're getting is to that word and a different way to look at what we're talking about in its larger scope? I think mistreatment is such a powerful word because when I sit with young people and we discuss the action of, let's for an example, exclusion. And so we talk about what it looks like when you're at campus and you notice that there are those students that are sitting alone with nobody to talk to, or you notice that 
you know, there's games playing and one, somebody says, no, you can't play with us. You suck. And to break that down to say that's actually mistreatment. That is exclusion. That is a form of mistreating somebody else. And that alone opens their eyes to, well, I didn't realize that that was mean. I did had no idea somebody's feelings were getting hurt. And that what appears to be a very simple action is actually a very powerful experience that can change somebody's life. I share with my young people when if they imagine being a student that comes to school and there's a school of 2000 people and this one student has no friends and constantly feels isolated. That can literally change somebody's life. So I explain to them the power that they have to simply say, "Hey, come sit with us and get to know the person." That alone And when I tell them they have the power to change somebody's life and they have the power to save somebody's life. And that one day can be the one day where that student says, you know what? Somebody talked to me today. I'm going to try this school thing again another day. Wow. That gives me goosebumps. Just that alone. I wish I could go back to my younger years and be that person, you know, who made that difference. And as you shared that, I realized that I would love to have you share a little bit about your story. And perhaps we should have begun there, but you know, this is where we are. So would you mind sharing your powerful story about why you do what you do? I think that's so important in in your work and in your influence in the world. Well, I personally grew up also having the experience of what would be called bullying, but there were no names for it. And My experience did include a lot of exclusion and being left out and teased and made fun of. I was a student of color in a school where it was myself and one other student, and that was it. And so I often got teased or made fun of for my clothes, for my skin color, for looking different. And at that time, it wasn't something that I knew I could take to an adult It didn't feel like if I went and said, they're not being my friends, that anything could be done. Uh, A common response from adults still today is the kids are being kids, just let it go. And that doesn't work. And so I had my own personal experience. And then I started to work in the school systems. And that is what put me on this particular mission. I work in school systems across this country, and I see the same problems existing no matter what social economic community I'm in, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools. It's the mistreatment that is taking place is destroying our generation, and I feel very confident in saying the word destroying because those are their fundamental years of growth and cultivation. And right now we are breaking them down on so many levels that by the time they get to being adults, they didn't have the opportunity to have a full childhood, to fully be cultivated in self-esteem and self-awareness. And I'm on a mission for people to understand this. Because if you read an article in the newspaper that says, you know, a kid got bullied at school, or there was a fight that took place, it can be read and it can just be overlooked and not taken seriously. That would have been the same for me if I wasn't inside the school system. But what's happening within 
those walls of where students go to school every single day has to change immediately. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and as you said, it's, it's a, it's a worldwide situation, but you know, for you, you're working in the U S. So let's talk about the parents who are listening right now, who may find that their kids are struggling or maybe the child, their child comes home and says, um, I'm having a difficult time with friendships and whatnot. And you're not in their school system right now. I'm sure you will be, or maybe you've already been there, but how can you offer some ideas or guidelines of things that they might be able to do in helping navigate with their child and helping navigate perhaps within the school system? Yeah, that's a great question. One suggestion I would start with in the home and within the parents is when your child brings home this information verbally, it's just absolutely crucial that you pause what you are doing and come into an open heart space and hear where they are coming from. Because there's a lot of pain that's being held within those experiences. It's very important to not dismiss what they're saying. Um, As mentioned to say, you know, we'll just let it go. It'll be a new day tomorrow. Um, You know, these kids are being kids. It's absolutely your response alone will change how that conversation is going to be moving forward. Because most of the time, young people won't even share what's going on because they themselves feel embarrassed or shameful and have their own feelings about it. So most likely, they're holding it in for a while regardless. So when they choose to speak that, hold the space for them and listen to what they're saying. Really be present. You're off the phone. You're one-on-one with your child listening and acknowledge them before any solutions, acknowledge them for the courage it took for them to share that with you. Mm. If you have any personal experiences, bring that forth and make that connection. One of the most powerful things I've also experienced with young people and humans alone is that when we discover we're not alone, we're able to open up and like, wow, I'm not the only one experiencing this. Like, mom, you had this happen at school 20 years ago. And it opens that expansion of, okay, I want to listen more. I am not alone. So those are my very first suggestions is be present, listen, hear. Then involve your child with the solutions. Please do not immediately on your own as a parent go to the principal, or the teacher, and demand a solution or a change. That can sometimes make it worse. Involve your child in what they think or feel would be a solution. Then my last piece would mention is, and this is where a couple of factors come into place, is one, that resilience piece. Because we do live in a world that is not kind all the time. And that is going to be the way it is. So how can you build up your child's self-esteem, have them find extracurricular activities, other things that cultivate their passion and joy so that it's not all based just in school? So what other areas can you pull out that leadership of your child and say, you know what, this, we're gonna, how can we work together a solution? And also this might not change. How are we going to keep you in a place of power? 
I love that. What Those are three amazing ideas for parents. And the first one, of course, so powerful to really be present and listen, because none of the other things that you mentioned will happen if we don't hold the space for our child to share openly and honestly, and for us to just accept what it is they're sharing. Exactly. Sometimes I think as a parent, uh, we all may have had experiences where we feel like we want to fix, solve, or bandage up whatever it is that's coming to us. And our job at, in these moments is really to just listen wholeheartedly and accept whatever it is that our child is sharing because it's their perception. We yes. can't really judge what that might feel like or you know, what that person actually meant when they said something that felt like mistreatment because we're not in our child's shoes. Yes. Yes, Sue. So I really, I really think those are just absolutely wonderful suggestions. And of course, I'm sure that's what you teach as well when you're working directly with the school system, correct? Correct. Yes. So talk a little bit, um, if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's move into the area of why sometimes the children who perhaps include or exclude, because both occur, why these things might happen in our world. Let's talk about why children are behaving in ways that either are including or compassionate and kind, or perhaps, you know, maybe the opposite, mistreatment, you know, unkind, uh, non-compassion based remarks and comments. You share a little bit about what your thoughts are in terms of why children show up this way. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but let's talk about some of the main ones. Yes. So I'm going to speak from my personal experience and thoughts from what I've seen taking place. And I think first and foremost, one of the biggest reasons is that we are living in a very disconnected world. I noticed that if students, for example, they're in the classroom and they go to school with these particular students every day, but the majority of them don't even know who's in the room with them. So from a humanistic place, if I don't know who's around me and who's in my community and I don't have a personal relationship to them, I don't care about what's happening for them. Now, not everybody is like that. I care about the bees and the ants and everybody. But if we look at from this human place, there's such a disconnect that I don't understand that what I say or do has an effect on another human being. And I have no idea what happens after I say something that is not kind, what takes place for that individual and the results. So what I'm noticing is that we are living in such a disconnected world that we don't have those relationships with the people around us in understanding that we are all connected and it is our responsibility to look out for ourselves and others. I Beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I absolutely agree. This is a disconnected world. And so part of our job right now and every day is to work on connection, 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 seeing people in front of us for who they are and what they bring to the table, as well as seeing ourselves and connecting with ourselves more deeply. Yes. And so that actually brings me to the parenting side of this, which, you know, many of us as parents, we're showing up for our children. And I think one of the key factors that I teach, and I'm sure you probably feel strongly about this as well, is how we model 
behaviors for our children each and every day, how we model how we're showing up in the world, how we're modeling how we're treating our friends and family, how we're modeling how we're treating the people we don't even know, you know, those in the grocery store, those, you know, in the gas station, those, you know, on the phone for 1-800 number, whatever it might be, how do we treat people in our lives? Can you talk a little bit about what your experience is and how you see this affecting our children today? Yes, and I, I think it sounds cliche, and that's actually what we have to take back, is that adults model what we, the behaviors we expect to see in young people. And we, every action that we take, young people are watching, absorbing their, our little sponges. So we have to be very mindful of everything we do. For example, I was in a Costco parking lot which can always be a little crazy. Um, but I saw two cars get into a very, very tiny like fender bender. And they both got out and started yelling at each other. And my biggest heartbreak was watching the cars that were full of kids sitting there watching how these adults were going to respond. And in response, they were yelling. People were taking out their cell phone and videotaping it. And as I watched the whole place from an outside perspective, my heart was like, what are these young people learning in this moment right now? They're learning to get angry. They're learning to fight. They're learning to not help and record instead. And as adults, as models, we have to be mindful of every move that we're making. And we are also going to make mistakes. So if you are in the car with your child and you get upset or angry in the car, you model what it's like to pull back and acknowledge, wow, mom, like, mom just had a really hard moment and I overreacted in a way that wasn't okay. Here's what I could have done differently. And then check in with your child. Like, what did you think about that? How, how would you have reacted? Make every moment a teachable experience. We're not going to be perfect all the time, but what do we do with those imperfect moments? That's beautiful. And, you know, I think there's so much teaching to be done in those imperfect moments. When we own what we've done and how we've done it and own what we could have done differently in a more conscious approach. Our, our children are learning both from the positive as well as the um, not so positive, you know, the human side of who we are, right? We're all human beings showing up as best as we can each and every moment. But those moments where we are perhaps yelling at another uh, driver in a parking lot, showing up in a way that says, you know, I am imperfect, as you so beautifully described it, we're all imperfectly perfect. And owning it, owning it, and showing our children that we own what we've done and how we've done it, and we can also own the introspection or the reflection of how we could do something different. And perhaps if we're still in that parking lot, to get out and say to the other driver, you know what, I lost it. I'm so sorry I lost my cool. And, you know, we could have, I could have handled myself in a different way. We're not responsible for the other, only for ourselves. And I think that is a huge issue in our kids learning that when they snap, when they explode, that going back owning it and repairing is huge. It is. It is. Well, 
can you, from your experience in working with various schools, can you tell us a little bit about one of the most important things or aha moments that you see in children today as you teach, you know, and share these beautiful gifts that you have? Yes, I think the beauty of what I'm able to do is I'm in the school for two solid days. And I have a group of about 40 students that are selected from all diverse groups on campus that all have leadership within them one way or the other. And that can be leaders um, that are making positive choices. And those are also the leaders who are leading the mistreatment on campus. And this directly ties back to the disconnect that I'm speaking of. It only takes two days for these students to come together as a group and as a community and decide collectively, wow, we don't want mistreatment in our school anymore. Let's make a change. And when these students come in the beginning of the day, most of them have no idea who is in the room with them. They're like, yeah, I see you around campus for the last three years, but I don't know who you are. And once we establish connection and empathy of there's many games, I'm sorry, activities that we do in which we start to see how we are all the same versus different. And those moments where the two students that I have in my room that have hated each other for three years, both, and I'm speaking from an actual experience, both came together and realized, well, I've also lost a parent to a death. I've also been in the foster care system. I've also not been known how I was gonna eat at, you know, eat, and once they looked at each other from those eyes of like, we're actually the same, they became best friends. Wow. So basically the connections that are built are really the ahas. We are the same. We are one. We are, we are, we can be friends. We don't have to be living in this discord. We can appreciate each other. Yes. And one of the things I tell them also is like, look, I don't expect for you all to be best friends. There's going to be the people in this world that you don't like and people in the world that aren't going to like you, but we have to exist together. So how can you show up in this world with kindness, whether you agree or not with those around you? That's our personal responsibility, not as just young people, but as adults. How do we show up in this world in a kind way, whether we are connected or disconnected? We have an individual responsibility to walk in peace, to walk in kindness, and walk in respect. If I am sitting in the room with you, but I don't agree with your beliefs or your systems or whatever it may be, I have a responsibility to stay in my own inner peace and choose to acknowledge you as a human with your own strong values and beliefs and still create a peaceful situation. That's wow. So powerful. And so for every parent listening, it's important for us to look at our own practices in our own life and look at how we are existing together with others, with kindness and respect and peace, as you so beautifully described it, and being personally responsible for our own actions so that we can teach our children from showing them, modeling them for them. Wow. The work that you do is not only so necessary, but so powerful. I'd love to share your website for those listening so that they can visit. It's www.choosingpeace.org. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about 
where else they can find you and anything else that you'd like to share before we come to a close? Yes, you can find me on my website. And um, also I think uh, just to bring a close is just to remind us that we do have a human responsibility on this planet and we can make it such a beautiful one. And when we do choose to seek opportunities and all that surround us, our lives can change. We're in a very powerful time right now in which we have conscious decisions on how we are going to move forward and what ultimately is going to get us through these times, whether it is in the moment that we are in now or any other time, is how do we work together collectively and within community. That's what will always bring us together. And whether you have a home with one child, that is a community. So it doesn't need to be a large gathering of people. Is how can a one parent with one child seek to learn and to understand how to treat each other and treat the world around us? Because as we know, it is a ripple effect. If I model kindness to those around me and they see the unfolding of that, they're going to go be kind to somebody else who's going to be kind to somebody else. There is a power in one. So that's what I want to leave is there is power in one person with the way that you model behavior and actions because it will become a positive ripple effect. And the time is now. The time is now. And, you know, humans are wired for connection. We're wired to be connected in community. So why not do it with this beautiful ripple effect of kindness, peace, compassion, and respect? Yes. Thank you so much, Tisha, for all, all that you do in the world and all that you help to shift and change in our young leaders and the, the next generation. It is so valuable and so important, and I so appreciate you. Well, thank you. Ultimately, they are my teachers. I just get to be in the room with them so that we can learn together. I love that. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. And remember, every moment, moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.